So today I'm going to be in Colossians uh, chapter 3, so please be making your way there. This microphone I always find very interesting because uh, this little part down here has a little clip for your belt, and this part up here always has a little clip for your tie. So me being Wayne Brogan's son, guess what two articles of clothing I forgot today? <laughs> no, I should probably make my way there, that might be helpful. All right, so I have a joke prepared for the beginning. I told it this morning during Sunday school, and it went over everyone's head besides Mike Lewis's. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So a priest, a pastor, and a rabbit walk into a blood donation clinic. The nurse asked the rabbit, what's your blood type? And the rabbit said, I think I'm a typo. It's supposed to be a rabbi, not a rabbit. <laughs> Anywho, like most of the New Testament, Colossians was written by the Apostle Paul, it being one of the four prison epistles, inclusive of Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, and Colossians, written during Paul's two-year house arrest in Rome, which, is, um, which most theologians agree is between 60 and 62 AD. Colossians is unique in the aspect that it is the only prison epistle where Paul hadn't personally seen or met the intended audience, but Paul didn't know the leader and forgive me this, I'm going to butcher this name, <laughs> Epaphras, who was a convert he had met while in prison. He had sent Paul a report telling of the false teachings taking place there regarding how Christ emanates through all things and affects us individually, as the, as a, individually and as a whole body of believers, how his grace, mercy, and forgiveness can be felt in all aspects of a Christian's life and their walk with him. In contrast to their teachings of not having Christ centralized in everything, and the Christian's new life received, even though they have a Christian's new life received literally through Christ. It's a problem that plagues many churches today and is a reason that there is pretty much a different denomination of churches on every single corner because the flesh is very quick to twist and contort the scriptures into what it wants. But we know without a shadow of a doubt that Christ is more than sufficient, that he's both the creator while also being the creation, making him the entire package and the only reason we can hold true to his word and can comfort in the fact that the inspiration given to Paul is God-breathed. All right, can we please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's holy, inerrant, and inspired word? Right. Colossians chapter three, verse 17. <laughs> and whatsoever ye do, and Word or deed, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto, unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters, according to the flesh, not with eye service, as man-pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. Knowing that of the Lord, ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Let's pray. Father, we are in heaven, Lord. Thank you for this day, Father, that you've given us another day where we can come and worship you, Lord. Thank you for the service this morning, Father, the message that you gave to Bryce, and all the rewards that come with it. 
Thank you for allowing everyone here to be able to attend, Father, and please bless those that were not able to, Father. Those that are hurt, that are sick, that are afflicted, please comfort all those that have loved ones that have passed away recently, Father, and bless everyone in here, Lord. As we go our separate ways this week, place your hedge of protection around us, Father. Allow our spirit to move and control us in our daily lives, Father. Allow us to be an example of you in our workplace, in our homes, and everywhere, Father. Just bless this message, Father. Place your hand upon me and give me guidance. This week, Father, allow me to stay strong in you, Father. And bless everyone in here, Lord. In your holy, precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. I generally forget to say that, and people just stand and stare at me. So I remember this time. In the prior verses, it discusses the relationships of a good Christian concerning wives, treatments of the husbands, then husbands under their wives, children under their parents, until he closes out with fathers to their children concerning those family dynamics. Paul then brings up another dynamic, which should seem very familiar to us, the one of the servant. Now, a servant in this scenario, traced back to the original language, means bondservant, someone who is so devoted to another that they put their own wants and wishes before who puts their master's own wants and wishes before their own, which I believe portrays a very good picture of what we should strive to be like with Christ. And I would like to hone in on these aspects and applications that we can apply to our own lives. Initially, it's, a, it's hardly works that is presented. Verse 23 states that, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men. This verse specifically mentions heartily. It's the only use of heartily in the Bible. The original language uses the term, and I'm not Dan Mal, so I'm going to butcher it again. It's ek sykes, E-K-P-S-Y-C-H-E-S, meaning from the soul. So essentially we're supposed to do all things from the soul. The same soul that hadn't been bought with a price while Jesus was on Calvary. Amen. So immediately Paul presents that we are to work under the soul as if we're working for Jesus, using his equipment, which is our bodies, his material, or his equipment being our soul, his I'm sorry. We're supposed to use his equipment being our soul, his material being our body, and a work effort befitting of the one most high that graciously saved us and allowed us to do the things in the first place. We're supposed to apply this effort and work to our families to build up those relationships and strengthen them through Christ so that they may become as unbreakable as the love that the Lord has for us. I know this because the Lord has blessed me with two amazing parents who love and care for me, for each other, and most importantly, the Lord. They may not always make the right call, but they always try to place Jesus first so that each of us can grow stronger in our faith and rely on Him, rely on him more so than anything of this world, which will eventually pass away. They tried to build our foundation when we were young on Christ. And with a Christ-centric home life, the foundation, which is Christ, is stronger, but it only becomes that way once the effort and work is put in with the emphasis on honoring and glorifying the Lord. Besides working, besides working heartily for the Lord, we must also, are working heartily for the family, we must also work heartily in your field. The places in which we work or conduct business should be able to identify us as Christians by the way we walk, the way we talk, and the way we act. Amen. We should try to radiate an aura of Christianity and a light source that is easily determinable, but most oftentimes not accepted in the workplace. With constant pressure from sin in the flesh serving as a stumbling block in our daily lives, we often fail to perceive that way. We often fail to be perceived that way. But simply with enough prayer and discipline, the Lord will provide us with protections from the things if we're truly earnest in the things that we ask. But first we must try and exemplify Christ in ourselves, which is our ring for being. 
here and giving honor and glorify to him always. We should also remember to work heartily for the founder. He who sought he who sought us out in our sin, pulled us from it, and gave us this choice to allow ourselves to be bought. Once salvation is obtained, we should work tirelessly for his kingdom, to go out into the highways and hedges, to seek and to save that which is lost, so that they can find others and bring them to Christ. To lead others to the Father like we were once led, and to provide proper influences that showcase what the Lord has done for us and what he could do for you. To disciple others, I'm sorry. To disciple others, since we are his workers and servants, our first intention should always be to serve him in all that we do and all that he does. I believe that witnessing to others is a place that many Christians fail, but many Christians also thrive. But it's essentially the easiest way to represent Christ. And yet we don't do it as often or consistent as we should. This applies to me specifically, and it hit me over the head while I was studying this, because I grabbed about 50 tracks two months ago to give out leave when I leave a tip when I eat someplace. And the majority of them have said untouched in my vehicle, stepped on whenever I'm doing work. It's a failure that I need to work on specifically, and I truly need to place my entire focus on the Lord, which I don't always do. So that our, we need to do that so that our works can reflect his grand plan and the masterpiece laid out before him, which he knows the beginning, middle, and end of. With us as human beings, made an, as an image of him, so that we can try and reflect him every day. Secondly, Paul points out the heavenly wealth after the heartily reward. Verse 24 states, knowing that, of the Lord, you shall receive the knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. As the men who attend the Thursday night Bible study might recall, that verses can have cultural, historical, and contextual differences. And if you don't attend that Bible study, I would happily invite you to if you're a male. It's very intelligent, and they use $3 words, but uh, Levi is a very good teacher, and he varies, is very, very good at explaining to us what they mean. <laughs> uh, the cultural context for this we see is, uh, we as servants inheriting something was just straight up not allowed at that time. If you, if you read it, it says, knowing that the Lord, he shall receive the reward of the inheritance. I tried to find a reason why servants uh, and bondsmen and those in servitude could not inherit something from a wealthy individual but I couldn't really find it, but I found in several places that, we, that they were just not able to inherit something. Just as an interesting fact, I found out that this, while I was studying the subject that um, during this time that Paul was writing, there's approximately 60 million people that were in servitude, or about half of the population at that time. And it can be, and I take this verse to be viewed as another example of his love, which knows no bounds, especially man-made traditions or laws. But with that love comes a blood-brought blood promise. As mentioned before, it says, as mentioned before, it says, you shall, it mentions shall, showing the inevitability of the inheritance, it being us able to go to heaven, to worship and to dance at his feet, but it shall only, but, it, but shall is only important once you've been bought with the blood, that's been shed on Calvary by he who died for us, not just for the good people, the preachers and the pastors, but for all sinners that have been, there's been only one man who didn't sin, and he's the one that had to die and pay that blood sacrifice, the spotless Lamb of God who loved us all equally and wants us always to turn to him. Amen. Paul goes on to describe the Lord's broad benevolence. To 
as it mentions, it says, we shall receive the reward. To receive something, the other person must first have something to give. In this case, we get to receive the free pardon of sin and the gift of heaven, a place without hunger, pain, thirst, and ignorance, with complete content, with complete contempt, I'm sorry, I can't spell, with complete contempt in his spirit, everlasting rest, and eternal, uninterrupted fellowship with the Lord. Each of us supplied dwelling places, exonerated worship, and may, in a place made of jewels, gold, and his infinite presence. With no worries and fears, and we get to go there for free, not costing us a dime, and all that we have to do is accept him, believe on him, and confess him. Amen. But Paul also presents us a bruised benefactor. Jesus, the only reason we get to go to heaven is because of him. The blood that he shed on us, the blood that he shed so that we might get in, the blood that he shed so that we might get to enjoy his inheritance and reward was beaten out of him, enduring and suffering, the likes of which are almost unheard of in this day and time in this society. Having those rocks and shards of glass scraped across his back so deep you could see the bone of his ribs and lungs. The intolerable pain of hanging your entire body weight on spikes hammered straight into your hands and in your feet. A crown of thorns beat upon his head and the spit and vile words tossed at him from those watching, taunting him until they stabbed him in the side to make sure he was dead. This cruel punishment unlocked the gateway so that we might be able to be saved from essentially ourselves and our human nature, that being sin nature, which causes us to go on and may cause us to doubt even though he went through all that for us. The very fact that we get to serve him should be reward enough from the blues bruised and battered benefactor. So we shall emphasize and expect perfection from ourselves because we're meant to reflect him and his sacrifice. As we move on, we can see that those that do wrong shall be hastily whipped. In verse 25 it states, But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respecter of persons. Like a father spanking a child, punishment shall occur when work is not done correctly and thoroughly. <coughs> the Lord holds no respect to the earthly possessions that we have and the achievements when they're not used to benefit the kingdom and his glory. If you go about this wrongly, and, or straight up just don't go about it at all, the things of the Lord, and straight, up, and straight up don't go about the things of the Lord, you will eventually be punished. You'll be hastily ripped for doing wrong, with sin's overwhelming presence being stated in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone in this room has sinned. Everyone on the streets has sinned. Everyone sitting in the White House, in the Senate, in the entire planet has sinned. And later, its punishment is stated in 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It draws back to the reward that we, can once, that we can obtain once we accept Jesus and try to forsake the wrongdoing. It also draws a line to coming short of the glory, causes eternal damnation, being cast in the lake of fire, of wailing and gnashing of teeth, a place both on fire and eternally dark, where you thirst for just a single drop of water to ease the torment. Christ already went through torture only for people to reject him and accept the very thing that he lovingly went through, so we don't have to do that. But besides doing wrong, we can direct wrong. We can directly do wrong. Though us as Christians, this applies specifically because we all know better. Just like a child usually knows better. 
We know not to tempt the Lord. We know not to push him and prod and try to get around the things that he's told us to do and try to contort it, but we do. It's our sin nature that we need his help to be able to get under control. But he's going to punish us like children. You do something wrong, you get punished. It's very simple. And then we also need to depend on the one. He is no respecter of sinners, he's, but he's also no respecter of saints. He respects none of us, but he respects the fact that we hold strong to him. It doesn't matter all the achievements that we made on earth, everything we've done individually and as a whole, But because if we do it without God, there's nothing for us later. We only receive crowns in heaven once we've been accepted by Christ and do works for him. It's part of the reward that he's given to us. We just need to always try and strive to be more, do more and be more like Jesus, and be like him, so that we can keep growing in his love and his mercy, his kindness and his spirit every day, so that one day we can be enveloped by it. We can spread his love and joy to others so that they might be enveloped by it. Because since this is the end times, less and less people are getting saved. The great falling away is coming. And if we stop now, the great falling away will just be here. Many people we know will not go to heaven. Many will not be saved. Many will burn eternally, which is a frightening thought that some of our best friends could burn eternally. So we need to show God's loving kindness to all of those around us as quickly as possible, because if we don't, we will be punished. It worries me significantly. Paul, writing here, I'm sorry, I can't read my handwriting. I really need to. Essentially, the Bible is amazing, but it's not like, the Bible is amazing not because uh, Paul wrote it, but it's because he was allowed to, he had trusted so much in the Lord, and he had done so much work that the Lord had allowed him to be the vessel used for this book. In conclusion, the Lord wants us to work hard for him as an example and a light for those around us of who and what Christ is, what he means to us, and what he's done for us. We're supposed to act like this, we're supposed to act this way because of the sweet reward he offers us, with the only requirement is to accept it. Once accepted, you've accepted a higher standard in which we're supposed to hold ourselves and to behave and to do all things as if Jesus were standing beside us. Without his amazing grace and mercy, where would we all be? Amen. I'd like to pray. Father, we're in heaven, Lord. Thank you for this day, Father. Thank you for all that given us, Lord. Thank you for giving me this sermon, Father. And thank you that you still call people, Father. Please allow us as we go into our daily lives, Father, to remember that without you it's all worthless, Father. That we need to be an example of what you want us to be, Father. Be an example to others, Father. And to just show others the light that you've shown us. If there's one here, Father, that doesn't know you, allow them to come to know you as our Lord and Savior, Father. And if there's one we don't know, Father, allow them to come to know you. Allow us to be an example to them, Father, and just bless and move in everyone's life in here, Lord. Protect us all, Father. Allow us to keep our heart, mind, and soul directly focused on you, Lord. In your holy, precious name I pray.